welcome into part two of our episode about uh, best promos and segments in AWA history. My name is Chris Tubbs. Let's bring back in uh, Mick Karch. And Mick, I know we had planned to do this in one episode, but I could tell within 15 minutes uh, we were not going to be able to get it in because we could have if we wanted to, but then we'd only be talking maybe 45 seconds, you know, maybe a minute at most. I feel like with all of these suggestions, these listener suggestions, most of them uh, are your listener suggestions. I felt like we would have been doing them a disservice and the the segments, the performers, the wrestlers themselves a disservice if we just would have gone like boom, 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 boom. So uh, we got about a little less than halfway through and just kind of explain to people what it is that we're doing because we're gonna talk about them but you're not actually going to see them. Can you kind of explain to people yeah. why we're doing it the way that we're doing it? We have to. I mean, we're, we're kind of pigeonholed. We uh, we can talk about all the AWA memories, the old great promos and uh, TV angles and so on and so forth. When it comes to actually airing the footage, we're stuck uh, because a lot of that footage we do not own the rights to. Uh, a lot of it is out there on YouTube, but we don't we don't have the luxury of uh, just presenting it to you here. So I know we're going to trigger memories with people. Uh, when we ask for your suggestions, people would write us in the, oh, I remember I got such a kick out of the time. That's yes, so yeah. That's the way we want to approach this. Yeah. And you can, you can find, you can find it on YouTube. If you can't uh, go to Peacock because WWE bought the rights to the footage and they might have it on there. I know they did a better job at WWE Network. I don't know if it's on Peacock. Uh, I know it's been hit and miss with some of the stuff that they've been putting on there. And hopefully down the road, we'll be able to have maybe like a watch along. If we can find some episodes that are out there that maybe we can just kind of, you know, go through and we can watch. But uh, as of right now, yeah, this is, we'll talk about it. We've got a few pictures that we'll put up but we don't have the ability. And again, I'm, I'm sorry, I wish we could because it would add so much more, but unfortunately legalities preclude us from being able to do that. Uh, before we get into it, I'll go ahead. Yeah, I, I was gonna say one thing I wanna say too, you know, we've had some people, uh, not a lot, but some people have said, hey, you know, you, you guys get a little, uh, little silly once in a while. You know what? That's the idea. Uh, we are not going to sit here and give matches four and a half and five star ratings and, and whatever else. We're not going to talk about contract negotiations, not denigrating any other podcast out there, but there's a lot of other places you can hear yeah. that stuff about modern day wrestling. The AWA is memories. A lot of it people remember, some maybe they're enlightened. And it's, it's subjective. And this is, this is all subjective too. Let's yeah. remember this, Mick. Absolutely. And we're having fun with it. And that's the idea. That's what we want to do here on Tuesdays is have fun remembering the AWA. It's an era we can't get back and let's just mm -hmm. enjoy the moment. Yeah. And if you want to enjoy it and you want to do it in person, Mick, there's a perfect opportunity coming up in just a few days. Here's your chance. If you're a fan of it and you're able to make it on October 29th, I'm telling you guys, don't Wait, and I'm not just trying to shill for tickets here. I'm not like, hey, come to the reunion, please. Here's the deal. There has been such a, a an overwhelming um, swarth of warmness about this podcast. 
and people wanting to relive some of these memories that Mick, you've gone through the extensive work of getting a lot of these individuals and lining everything up. Tell us exactly what's going to happen in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, four days, four days. What's going to happen and tell them why it's important that people get on this early because I don't want you guys to be left out. I, I really, really don't. Well, tickets are at a premium in terms of seating space. Seating capacity is limited. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the food and so on and so forth, working with the Embassy Suites in Bloomington, Minnesota on American Boulevard. Uh, we're going to be in the ballroom there uh, I and, and, uh, from noon to four on Saturday the 29th. If you get your tickets in advance, you are absolutely guaranteeing that you are going to have one of the appetizer buffets. You're going to have a place to sit. This is a jam-packed four hours. I cannot explain to you enough or emphasize enough. Not only are some AWA celebrities from the past going to be on hand, signing autographs, posing for pictures, talking to the fans. We're going to have trivia. We're going to have raffles we're mm -hmm. going to have merchandise vendors it's going to go by so fast i want you to be there get there get your tickets in advance go go to slick mix old school wrestling page or the awa unleashed fan page for all the details so your name is on a list by the time the the uh event starts on saturday and you don't have to worry am i going to be able to get in or not yeah, absolutely. And if you can see on the scroll down there, join our AWA Unleashed fans page because we're over 1,000. It's mind-numbing to me to think that there are over 1,000 people that want to be part of a Facebook group dedicated to this podcast. Absolutely. And a big, sh big shout out to Brian, to Jeremy, to Brandon, to you guys for doing a great job and being able to allow us to, to bring this information and have this fun with you guys. And here's a chance that we can all do this together. It's a big old party on October 29th at the Embassy Suites. I'm telling you guys, come on down. If you can make it 25 bucks, get you in the door. You get a chance to meet these folks. You, you can't get any better if you're an AWA fan than that. And we want to meet you. Yes, you know? we do. We yeah, wanna, yeah. We want to shake hands with you and, and find out, you know, who's putting up with our nonsense every Tuesday. Uh, so please come on out. You, you won't be disappointed. Noon yeah. to four. Noon to Noon four to, the 29th. Yep. So uh, there we go. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see as many people out there as we can. All right, Mick, uh, let's continue. Uh, we're a little less than halfway. But, again, you're going to bring these up. Some of these are listener and your suggestions. It's subjective. When we talk about this, you might not necessarily agree with it, but these are subjective, and that's what makes this fun. So, uh, Mick, without any further ado, uh, I'll let you kind of set the table for the, the second half of this episode. This this first memory, if, if you turned away from the TV screen, you missed it. Um, it happened that quickly. And to this day, I don't really even know how it happened or why it happened. Uh, the AWA television show on a Sunday morning, uh, they were presenting and promoting the card for later on in the evening. And all of a sudden, Ric Flair does a cameo in the interview area. And he's talking about, you know, how he went through Vern Gagne's training camp and, and uh, you know, the Nature Boy is back in town and so on and so forth. 
and he's kind of denigrating what's going to be happening later on in the evening, which prompts Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel, of course, to get in his face. Uh, Greg slapped Ric Flair, said he was a, a crybaby, going through Vern's training camp. The interesting thing about it is it went nowhere. I went to the arena that night expecting to see something uh, evolved with Ric Flair, mm -hmm. and it didn't. So I don't know if um, I, I'm guessing Rick may have been in town visiting his parents and just went by the TV studio and they said, hey, you want to do a little uh, quick promo here? But nothing ever came from it outside of the fact that Greg Gagne, of course, got his shot in on, uh, on Ric Flair. Very interesting indeed. Well, why do you why do you think they would have allowed? I mean, I understand the name Ric Flair, but why would you bring it in, have it there? Because then you're going to have fans set up. You know, it's like, hey, you could have something big, and then it doesn't happen. To, to me, it's like all you're going to do is disappoint the fans when you start to get and, – and in that age, I got to imagine that there weren't a lot of things that were, you know, quote, unquote, behind the scenes. Like this might have been a peek behind the curtain that maybe nobody had seen. Like you well, could have done yeah. something really special. That's the thing. I, 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 I honestly don't know what the motivation was uh, because it went nowhere. And I'm sure there were a lot of people like me – who went to the Civic Center or wherever it was expecting to see Ric Flair, and uh, and it went nowhere. So, you know, just one of those uh, mysteries of the AWA, of which there are many yeah. uh, over the years. But maybe Fla Flair being Flair, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it could have been. But Greg got his slap in, and that's, that's what it was all about. So okay. there you go. Uh, moving on. Uh, talk about politically incorrect. Back in the day... Uh, with Wahoo McDaniel and various other uh, native wrestlers, it was pretty much commonplace to get a little, a little racist, a little bit, uh, you know, a little edgy uh, in terms of their heritage, uh, where the heels would go after them. Maybe there was, you know, tear apart the, the headdress or what have you. And back in the day, a tag team, of Larry Hainimi, who, of course, became Luscious Lars Anderson, and his tag team partner, Buddy Wolf. There's uh, there's Larry Hainimi, a.k.a. Luscious Lars, and they were uh, two Minnesota guys, went to uh, college together, great heels in the AWA back in the day, and they had a feud with Wahoo McDaniel, and they did one of those things, again, where there's a, a headrest ceremonial, headrest being presented to Wahoo on television, they tore it apart. They put the hurting on Wahoo. And what's interesting about this, Chris, and we've talked about this before, talk about how times have changed. They, I believe it was Buddy Wolf who would come out on TV with a T-shirt that said, Squahoo is a loser. Not Wahoo. Hmm. Squahoo is a loser. Yeah, I think you're now, right. Man, back in the day, talk about pushing the, the pushing the envelope in this day and age. You'd never get away with it. Uh, but back in the day, it was what they call cheap heat in the wrestling business. But the feuds were tremendous uh, between Hainimi, Wolf, and Wahoo and assorted partners. But uh, I, I would guess, again, probably in pretty much any territory he ever wrestled and went in as a babyface, Wahoo probably went through the same kind of a program with, with the resident heel. I mean, how do you feel like Wahoo felt about having to use the headdress as part of a story and having that, like, I don't want to say denigrated, but just having it violated and vandalized. You know what I think? I don't think he cared. Uh, I don't think 
back in the day, it was all about money. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, as long as money, as long as you could, as long as you could draw some money, then it, it really wouldn't matter. Chris, it's it's no different. You know, Americans, we were fighting the war against the Germans and the Japanese, you know, 30 years after the war ended, uh, you know, and, and so wrestling was was topical and there were really no limits. And I'm sure if you would have asked Wahoo back in the day, Wahoo would have just said, hey, you know what? It's business. We filled the building, yeah. you know, and that's what it's all about. I'll worry about my pride and my ego another day. Right now, I got to I got to eat. Yeah, I know the next one coming up is uh, another one that uh, maybe uh, folks a little bit closer to my age remember. Mr. Saito, who legitimately was one of the toughest guys ever in a wrestling ring, a former Olympian, and uh, talk about a, a one rugged SOB. Uh, there's there's the photograph, one of the more memorable moments in AWA wrestling history. And that's Mr. Saito, and he is going to be presenting Hulk Hogan with some ceremonial flowers, uh, and I believe a trophy as well on behalf of the Japanese people. And, of course, it's legendary, and Saito was brand new to the AWA at the time. This is how he kind of made his entrance. It's legendary that when uh, Saito bowed and then Hogan went forward with a bow of his own, the salt went into the eyes, the old, you know, nasty Oriental tradition of throw salt in the eyes and then take the trophy and hit Hogan right in the sternum uh, with the trophy. And Hulk had a scar after the fact. Uh, that was the way Mr. Saido was introduced to the AWA. And what was kind of interesting about it, it evolved into more than that. Because when they started wrestling each other at the St. Paul Civic Center, out with Mr. Saito came Dr. D. David Schultz to start his own feud with Hulk Hogan. And, of course, in a matter of yep. weeks, months, both Hogan oh, and we're Schultz were gone, yep. went to the World Wrestling Federation. And uh, so it, it really kind of cartwheeled into, into a big thing. But one of the more memorable moments, and, man, I tell you, Hogan was so damn over as a baby face they wanted to kill Saito. Uh, the intensity was was palpable. Yeah, and again, you, you don't bring a trophy into a wrestling ring because only bad things are going to happen. We That's found out exactly if, right. if, if we didn't find out from the very beginning of the last episode, you can't have pastries, you can't have a wedding, and you can't have a trophy. Those are the three things you can't have when it comes to wrestling. Why are people not getting this? Uh, you can't have rules of any kind. That's true. You, you know, can't you can't have rules. You know, let's throw that in there too. Yeah. Hey, go um, go go ahead with this one because I think this is another fun one that involves uh, one of your good friends. All right, uh, this one, ladies and gentlemen, goes back to uh, 1970, August of 1970 to be exact. And Doctor X, Dick Byer, the legendary uh, Doctor X, who would also wrestle as the Destroyer. Of course, when he was here uh, in the AWA, his first run, he was a nasty, nasty heel. Uh, as time went on, they turned the Doc babyface, and he had a feud, uh, not only with Larry Hennig, Lars Anderson, but particularly with Blackjack Lanza and Bobby Heenan. The blow-off match was at the St. Paul Auditorium, 
And uh, Doc was going to be leaving on an extended tour, uh, which people did not know. He was going to be gone for the AWA for a while. And Doc was now a face, as I said, and he was going to wrestle Blackjack Lanza, Bobby Heenan. They were going to engage that night in St. Paul. And in order to get the match, the Doc, who had not been unmasked in his entire time in the AWA, nobody had been ever able to beat him and unmask him. The Doc said, in order to get this match with Blackjack Lanza, Bobby Heenan, I will take my own mask off before the match which he did, and he was revealed to the fans. Marty O'Neill said, you know, former Syracuse University great athlete, introduced him as Dick Byer. But one thing that Dick said during the promo was, if I don't draw blood from both Heenan and Lanza tonight, may God strike me dead. And talk about a sell, yeah. that last-minute sell to get people into the arena. And, of course, there was blood all over from Blackjack and Bobby Dr. X took the mask off, went on uh, on tour. Just a memorable, memorable moment. Uh, just uh, talk about heat in a building. I loved it. I was right there ringside. Just tremendous. It seems like if you've got a mask gimmick, you do everything in your power to protect your identity. But wanting it so bad and having it mean so much that you're willing to take it off before the match on your own just to be able to get your hands on these two individuals just tells me, I mean, we don't, I don't think I've ever heard of another promo like that. Like this seems to be, it's the only one of its kind that I've ever known that anybody's ever cut. Well, think about it. Dr. X for three years, he turns away all these challengers, former AWA heavyweight champion, defends the mask like it's his firstborn son. Yep. And in order, as you said, to get into the ring with Heenan and Lanza, He's going to take off his own mask before the match. It was absolutely memorable. One of the great moments in, in AWA history, going back, God, 52 years already. God, think about that. A lot of these, it spans all 30-plus years of the AWA, but to be able to just have these from, like, you know, the 60s or the 90s or the 70s or the 80s, and then go back, it, it's, to me, it's just this is what makes us so much fun to do because – no matter what part, what era of the AWA, I feel like there's always a handful of those holy shit sort of moments when it comes to these promos or interviews. That was one of them. Yep. And uh, we're going to talk about one that goes back a little bit earlier than that. Uh, goes back to about 1961. And this is a very, you know, again, it's a blip on the radar, but to me it was memorable. You know, uh, to the average wrestling fan, uh, did that happen? Uh, Gene Kaniski who we have said is the only man to hold the AWA and NWA singles championships. He is the only one who's done it. And he was engaged in a feud with Vern Gagne. And Vern, of course, was the master of uh, the vitamin sales. He had his own vitamin line, one of which was a liquid vitamin called Gerolac. And as part of a, a promo to set up their feud, Vern is in the ring cutting a promo. With Marty O'Neill, Gene Kaniski takes a bottle of Vern's Gerolac vitamin, knocks Vern on the back of Vern's bald pate, knocks Vern to the ground, and then Big Gene, Big Thunder Kaniski takes a swig of the Gerolac and spits it all over Vern Gagne. 
Um, oh. <laughs> I mean, that's almost sacrilegious. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, you realize how much, I mean, every one of those bottles, you know, you could be selling that to somebody. That's more well, money that's you can make. That, that's probably the part that hurt Vern the most. I was going to say, that's probably, that's that's what probably I would be most upset about. He could have made on the, on the <laughs> Yeah, bottle. very but, much. Uh, nonetheless, what a moment. I mean, Gene Kaniski hitting Vern over the head with the Gerlach, you know, and I'm a teenage kid at the time and I'm looking at this and holy shit. Uh, but talk about intensity, you know, it, yeah. it, it worked, it, it did its job. So there yeah. you go. i got another one coming up very, very quickly here. Um, Tiny Mills, the king of the lumberjacks, one half of the very first AWA tag team champions, along with our friend Stan Crusher Kowalski. Uh, Tiny, if we get a tiny shot, uh, we'll bring him up on the screen. Where's Tiny? There he is. Uh, Tiny Bill out of Camrose, Alberta, Canada. And he was feuding with a man called Man Mountain Campbell. That's the name he used in the AWA area. And I know we've got his picture, I believe, ready to go. Uh, they also did a last-minute uh, angle on television before they were scheduled to get into the ring later on that evening at a house show. And I thought this was pretty intense. Man Mountain Campbell, uh, who eventually became Luke Brown, one half of the Kentuckians and teamed up with uh, Jake Roberts' father, Grizzly Smith, in that combination. Um, Tiny came into the ring with a hammer. Uh, he didn't use the claw end of the hammer, but he used he used the big, whatever the gimmick is on the front of the hammer, and hit Man Mountain Campbell right between the eyes with a hammer as Man Mountain Campbell was uh, delivering a promo in the ring. And again, this was last minute, you know, and people just got in their cars and went to the arena. But again, very, very intense. Think back, you know, you're going back, you know, 60 years. Yeah. And wrestling fans are believing everything they're seeing back in the day. I don't know if this was a, a plastic hammer or not. Sure didn't look that way. Um, so everybody bought it. And that kind of started a downward slide as well for Man Mountain Campbell. Uh, but uh, uh, Tiny Mills, King of the Lumberjacks, tag team champion, and nailed Man Mountain right between the eyes. Uh, see, and I just I get queasy just thinking about getting hit in the I don't care if it's a gimmick hammer or not. I don't want any sort of a hammer anywhere near my head. And to do it like right between the eyes. I mean, that's that's, that's committing to the bit for the promo, for sure. That's intensity. You got yep. it. Right. Um, one of my favorite promos uh, took place in 1971, I believe. And it was on television. And Nick Bockwinkle had just recently, like within the last six months or so, arrived in the AWA area. And he started a feud with a, uh, talk about your, your white meat uh, baby face, uh, Paul Diamond. And there's Paul. He, we call him the original Paul Diamond, not to be confused with the Paul Diamond, of course, who teamed up with Pat Tanaka in later years. For ba in bad company, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and thank you for... For saying that, because I think some people are going to be like, well, that's that's not the Paul Diamond that I remember, but that's the Paul Diamond that you are referring to in this in this promo, in this part. This Paul Diamond was a tremendously popular guy with the ladies, of course, and, you know, a ladies man, great baby face. And Diamond and Nick are outstanding next to each other. 
in the TV interview. And Diamond, I believe it was Nick who had injured Diamond's knee uh, prior to, you know, maybe the week before or what have you. So Paul Diamond is on crutches, and Nick is standing right next to him. And Diamond kind of pleads his case to the crowd about, you know, he's going to get even with Nick Bockwinkle. Mm-hmm. Nick kind of looks over at him, glances, and then all of a sudden, Paul Diamond disappears from the TV screen like he went through a trap door. And what had happened was Nick Bockwinkle, of course, conveniently kicked the crutch out from underneath the leg of Paul Diamond and said he was tired of hearing Paul Diamond with his flamenco-type legs uh, out there and crying. So he wanted to make more room in the interview area, and that's how he dispatched Paul Diamond. One of Nick's very first uh, extended feuds in the AWA. Great, great stuff. Was that were you a, a big fan of his at that? Like, when did you start really becoming a huge fan of his? And then the uh, the Bachwinkle Brigade, because you you know, because that was your doing. Was that how how far into his run before you started that? Not that far after the Diamond incident. I mean, Nick Nick had come here in the fall of 1970, and I believe this was spring of 71. Okay. And then I started the the Bachwinkle Brigade in June of 71. So I I was a Bachwinkle fan the minute he got here. You know, okay. I, I've said that before. The persona was just tremendous. So, uh, yeah, Nick was was already uh, a favorite of mine. Uh, okay, I, I was just so you like people that take advantage and you know that uh, absolutely, absolutely, of course, doesn't, yes. doesn't surprise me. All right, uh, this this next one, I talk about. Uh, actually, I I posted something about it on the Slick Mick page because it was very memorable in the sense that uh, Ray Stevens. Uh, one half of the AWA Tag Team Champions, along with Mr. Bockwinkle. Uh, Ray was a good, old-fashioned, rough, tough heel. And, I mean, Ray was the real deal. There was nothing fancy about Ray, and that was the beauty of Nick and Ray. You had Nick with his eloquence and Ray with his tough guy attitude. And Ray was cutting a promo on Larry the Axe Hennig. And, you know, there's one thing you, you you can extend things just so far. Uh, Ray said he, not only did he not like Larry Hennig, he didn't like Larry Hennig's kids. He didn't like, he hated Larry Hennig's wife. And above all, he hated Larry Hennig's dog. Now, we didn't actually have a photo of Larry Hennig's dog. I don't know if he had a Chihuahua, a German Shepherd, a Doberman. So I think, Chris, we did the best we could. And again, this is probably, uh, you know, artist conception uh, of what uh, Larry Hennig may have had back uh, back at the house in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. We got that. Uh, that photo uh, I'm working. I'm working on it here. Uh, uh, is it not there? Is this it? Wait a minute. Ha! Ah, there he is. There he is right there. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, Scooby Hennig. Uh, or, or, you know, Red Hennig or whoever it was, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that that is as close to a, a depiction of the canine that the Hennigs had at the house. But Ray Stevens went as far as to say, I hate Larry Hennig's dog. I don't know what kind of interactions they'd had in the past, but come on. The yeah, I mean, you, you can hate people, but if you hate animals, you're just a jerk because everybody, I mean, 
You've got animals. I've got animals. We love our animals. People that have animals and pets, they love them. So it's like, you can get a new wife, your kids, sometimes they annoy you, but it's like your pets, they're off limits. Is that well, safe I, to say? I, I think we made the point and I think it's probably best that we move ahead. But uh, Ray Stevens, yes, I, I'm sure that Larry probably reported him to the ASPCA. Um, <laughs> But uh, nonetheless, he uh, he didn't like Larry's dog. They, they could have had a dog catcher, Matt. That's what they should have had. Could have. Yeah, um, but they didn't, see? Moving ahead. Yes. Uh, the guy that I always call the poor man's mighty eagle, Ivan Putsky, uh, came into town. And Ivan, of course, was doing the uh, the Polish immigrant who didn't speak a lot of English uh, back in the day. And of course, you know, in reality, he was Joe Benarski from from Texas, and you know, spoke English certainly better than I do. But back back in the day, Ivan uh, had some difficulty in his promos. He would come out on television and and kind of try to get his point across, but couldn't always do it. But there, that man right there, ladies and gentlemen, Wally Carbo saved the day. And he, you know, Wally being of Polish descent, Wally was called in to translate for Ivan Putsky. And the, the, the question that was, was posed to Ivan was, how much do you weigh? Wally offered to translate for Ivan, and Wally came out and he said, this is a quote from Wally, as he's trying to get Ivan to, you know, speak English, so it's, uh, how, how much do you weigh? So, I don't know if how much do you weigh is the same in English as it is in Polish, but it worked. Ivan understood, <laughs> uh, but Wally, ever the ever the translator, <laughs> offered his services. I'm sure he moonlighted as a <laughs> translator, and yeah. he he came out and uh, maybe it was the way he said it, maybe it was the inflection. Do you think How maybe, much way, maybe it was the nasality or whatever that is in, in Wally's tone, but it got the point across. And, you know, I, I think Ivan and Polich said 720 or 840 or whatever he weighed at the time. But very, uh, very, very moving moment. They should have waited, should have waited for Joe Chupik. They oh. would have been able to, I mean, it, it just would have worked there. I mean, Joe would have been great as like, I, a, don't, think, I don't think Joe was born yet, but that's uh, neither here nor well, there. No, I, right. I know. I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know. Moving, moving right along. To uh, <laughs> boy, we just we know how to kill time, don't we? Um, this was a specific, something. specific listener question. Uh, they wanted to relive the days when the Crusher and Baron Von Raschke, in particular Crusher, uh, whenever there was going to be a cage match. I don't know if it was the nearby Lunds or Byerleys or Super Value or what have you. But Crusher always managed to get a tomato, and uh, he would bring it in to the interview area. And there you see the cage, which of course was you know just a, a you know little piece of fence that they brought in, you know maybe from George Gadaski's farm, put it up in front of the TV camera, and Crusher invariably took that tomato. You know I don't know what you know I'm not an expert on tomatoes, but he would jam the tomato through the cage. And, of course, you would have tomato juice and seeds and everything else spilling out all over the floor for emphasis what he was going to do with his opponent. And in later years, of course, he had the Baron to back him up. 
So I, I, I'm quite sure between, you know, uh, between Crusher and the Baron and the tomatoes and everything else, a lot of produce uh, was gone through back in the uh, back in the day. Have to have to get one that is a little more than ripe, because if it's, you know, if it's a little past its expiration date, it's going to be a little, you know, that doesn't look like the sort of fencing that you could, I don't think you could put a, a ripe tomato through that, but I feel like if you've got one that's a little more squishy, let's like, you know, maybe a few days past its expiration, I could totally see that work. A little more squishy, I think, is, is putting it mildly. I think, you know, it probably had to be ready to be a, a tomato juice uh, by the time, you know, it might have served the same purpose for a glass of tomato juice, but uh, very effective. And always, you know, Crusher Boy, they would zoom right in on that tomato, yeah. that poor tomato uh, being decimated uh, by the Crusher. But, oh, God, that was just memorable stuff. Memorable, memorable stuff. Um, we are continuing on. I'm looking here. Ah, yes. Yep. Bobby Heenan once again. And Bobby, of course, the master of the one-liner, two-liners, whatever, and one of Bobby's famous promos was about that man right there. The smiling mad dog Maurice Fashad, who, of course, wasn't smiling when, you know, he would get in the ring with the Heenan family. But Bobby was talking about a night where Nick Bockwinkel was defending the championship against Mad Dog Vashon. I believe it was on, on or about Thanksgiving. And Bobby was explaining how you prepare dog as opposed to how you prepare turkey for a Thanksgiving dinner. And the way, and it makes perfect sense, Bobby was very explicit in how you prepare dog. He said, you don't put stuffings to it. You don't put mashed potatoes to it. You put the boots to it. And he <laughs> said, he's on the mat, choking. You kick out both of his teeth, both of his teeth, and that's how you prepare dog for a Thanksgiving dinner. That's how you do it. And I don't know if we if we got Martel's picture up. I, I don't recall. Do we have Martel? Yes, we do have, uh, we do have a Rick Martel, I believe. Put, the, put up Ricky Martel uh, because Bobby also was explaining about how Kent Patera was going to defeat Rick Martel. And Rick was a great scientific wrestler. The, the method to the madness was that Ken was going to rub Rick Martel's face into the canvas for so long and so hard that his eyes were going to swell. Rick Martel's eyes were going to swell. So to the point where he looked like a French fly and then when he couldn't see anymore when he looked like a french house fly patera was going to put him in the full nelson and put him away bobby had great strategies you know i mean the man is a genius and, and to be able to come up with a different type of interview for different talent that he was with and different people that he's working against like that is something that you you kind of see these cookie cutter promos, right? Like every single time you just you you interchange with people. It's like Bobby Heenan was so unique in the fact that he could create something exclusively that was special just for the program or the situation that they were dealing with. When the TV director said, "Bobby, go out and promo this match," or you're in Rockford working Greg Gagne, they didn't know what Bobby was going to say. Yeah. And Bobby probably in that 15 seconds before they turned the camera on was coming up with this stuff. Uh, pure genius. None like the, you know, the, the predictable scripted 
crap that's out there today, this yeah. was spontaneous, and and Bobby was an absolute master. Love yeah. loved his stuff. Yeah, that's why he's littered all over this. And again, this is all subjective. There, there's no particular rhyme or reason. And if you're wondering why we're not playing the, the clips, legally we can't. And yeah. it's it's copyright. It's litigate. It's not that it's not that we wouldn't want to. It's that legally we are forbidden from playing the clips because we don't own them and you know just it's the right thing to do so uh that being said i know we got a few more good ones mick we got about uh, 20 minutes left so let's let's finish her up strong this is a big one i mean th this is uh probably one of the more infamous uh promos from back in the day and we're going back to the mid 1980s and there he is talk about the real deal uh, Dr. D. David Schultz. Ask John Stossel if uh, if Dr. D. You're gonna say that 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 seems to me out of anything that David Schultz is gonna be recognized or remembered for, it's for slapping John Stossel. I, I would I would say that right there. Uh, whatever the impetus, whether Vince told him to do it or not, or Dr. D. reacted uh, spontaneously, I don't know. But that was that was a moment. Uh, Dr. D. When he got out of professional wrestling, became a bounty hunter. Uh, so uh, uh, that's the personality that you're dealing with. But Dr. D had some of the best promos ever. And I remember they were doing a promo for a match in San Francisco uh, back in the day. And San Francisco, as many people know, has a very large gay population, as mm -hmm. they did back back then. And Mean Gene is interviewing Dr. D. David Schultz, and David is talking about San Francisco, and he said something to the effect of, you know what, I went out looking for a woman. I went out looking for a woman in San Francisco. I didn't find me no woman. <laughs> I found a lot of men dressed up like women, but I didn't. Ooh. Now, again, can you imagine him doing that in this day and age? Um Ain't gonna happen. No, that that's that's probably one of the most taboo things right now that that somebody could say. Like there are a lot of things I feel that would be taboo, but I feel like that's one that would be like that to me would be the line in that today's. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not. I'm not sure that Dr. D wouldn't deliver the line anyway, and really not give a damn what the consequences were. But back in the day, and I know that promo was out there, and Mean Gene is doing his best, <laughs> you know, to to keep from uh, from laughing. He started <laughs> for a little bit, but uh, man, I, I tell you what, and you had to believe Dr. D. That's the way he he felt about stuff back yeah. in the day. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of explained his his position. So, uh, yeah. memorable indeed. Moving on, you know, we talked about Crusher. And, you know, let's put these pictures up individually. We don't want to spoil this. Uh, Crusher back, oh, my God, he had the greatest promos in the world. And, and Crusher is saying to Mean Gene, he asked him, have you ever heard of Stella Wendowski? You would like her. Now, Mean Gene, of course, has no idea who Stella Wendowski was, but maybe that's Stella Wendowski. Is that Stella right there? That looks like Stella Wendowski. It, it could have been. Okay. But here's, here's the interesting thing about Crusher. Lee, could we bring Stella back up on the screen? I, I want to bring her back up again. The very, very attractive. Uh, we backtrack and bring, bring Stella back uh, okay, up. Okay, hold on. Hang on a second. Stella, where are you? 
Hang on. There she is. Yeah, there, there she is. There she is. There's that sexy lady. Yeah, she's got the two-fisted gimmick going. Uh, Stella Wendowski, whatever her name was, Crusher always amazed me because his standard promo, he would talk about how tough he was. And part of it was he would be hit over the head with barmaids, as Stella was right there. Uh, let's go to the next item, the, the next shocking item that Crusher would always talk about that he was hit over the head with. Uh, in bars, where is it? There it is. Bar rags. Crusher would talk about his toughness because he was hit over the head with barmaids, bar rags, and of course the the creme de la creme, our good friend, the bar stool. And I know we're, we're going to get a vintage bar stool up there in, in just a second, just for emphasis, ladies and gentlemen. Now the bar stool, I can see that might hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. The bar rag, I don't get. And if you're hit over the head with a bar maid, I, I'm just envisioning all kinds of stuff in my head. How that would, you stop, know. But stop, I actually, no, no, no. We're not going there. We're not going there. No, 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 no. You. I'm just asking. Does a guy pick up a bar maid and, and bring her over to crush her and hit him over the head like it's a folding chair? Well, you, I mean, that maybe. With a human being? Did he did he say like picked up and like beat on the head or did he just say pick up a barmaid? He said I've been hit over the head with barmaids, bar rags, and bar stools. Mm -hmm. So you know, at, at, and again, I'm never going to question what the crusher said yeah. ever. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we we had those actual photographs, I believe, uh, from from Milwaukee. Yeah, those are uh, those are real. Those are those are legitimate. That's a real. Stella Windowski or what, what, what? Yeah. AP or UPI probably took those, those photographs. Yeah, absolutely. Back Something in the day. Uh, we're going to talk about another, one of my favorite guys uh, right now who delivered absolutely legendary promos. Uh, one of those guys that never, ever became a baby face uh, in the AWA for the entire length of time that he was here. And I'm talking about our buddy, Sheik Adnan LKC. And Adnan, of course, I don't know how angry Saddam Hussein was getting at Adnan over the years because Adnan always used to say, of course, Saddam Hussein and his people are waiting at the airport in Baghdad uh, for uh, Adnan to bring back a championship. They were going to have a big parade at the airport in Baghdad. And... Adnan made a point of always telling us that the barking of the dogs will not stop the caravan. Ooh. Now, I, I mean, see, I, I get chills. That's it. Yeah, that that is a great line. That is a fantastic line uttered by Adnan. It it it, it truly is. You know, you that you know, and the barking of the dogs will not stop the caravan. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The dogs probably died there on the tarmac because you know. You what do you, what do you think that What do you think that meant? The barking of the dogs won't stop the caravan. I think that meant the first six or seven rows at ringside can yell all you want. We're going to win the championship tonight. That's that's pretty much the train is going to keep on rolling. Okay. Uh, the other okay. thing that I would talk about with with Adnan, of course, is whenever Jerry Blackwell was not in town to cut a promo. Uh, Adnan would explain his absence by the fact that Jerry Blackwell was out getting a massage. And 
you know, he would explain it by saying it took a while because his highness has a very big back, you know. And and it took two or three of the harem to rub the expansive back of Jerry Blackwell. And and I, I get it. You're a man that size, 460, 468, 480. Um, you know, but uh, he would explain that uh, Jerry was out and the massage was going to take a while. And that's why Jerry Blackwell was not in the studio. I would firmly believe that. I mean, if, you know. He's got a big back, you know. <laughs> you know what they say about guys with big backs? Big shirts. Continuing on, I think we've got three more, and we better get through them because we only have a listener and a half left. Um, <laughs> a half? How do you get a half a listener? Why? Well, I, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Um, my buddy Ken Patera. Uh, Ken was a great heel in professional wrestling and delivered some pretty intense promos, but one particular promo. And I don't know if anybody else will remember this besides me. There's there's the Olympic strongman, Ken Batero. Ken was talking about the high flyers, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel. And he's being interviewed. I, I think he had Jerry out there with him at the time, Jerry Blackwell, uh, as his partner. And he's being interviewed by Gene Okerlund. And Ken kind of lost his train of thought. And he was talking about Jim Brunzel and Greg and he became tongue-tied and said something to the effect of, when I get done with you, you're going to never, you'll, you'll be around and you, you get back on your boat. And he says, ah, shit. And he walks off and Okerlund, and they didn't cut this. Gene Okerlund looks at him and says, wait a minute, come back here. What do you, what do you mean your boat? What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, Ken never came back. Um, and, and I'm not quite sure to this day. Um, I don't know if Brunzel had a boat. I'm not sure he did, but, um, Ken was so wound up in the malice that he was going to deliver to the high flyers that he invoked their boat in the <laughs> conversation. I, I mean, we are the land of 10,000 lakes. And I mean, if you're going to take a shot, it's, it's like taking a shot at somebody's dog. You take a shot at their boat. Like that's. You know, a boat is personal. Real serious. Real, real, serious, real, real serious stuff. Yeah, there, yes. there's no doubt about it. Okay. Um, Jesse the Body Ventura uh, was talking about Baron Von Raschke, and, and he alluded to Baron looking like a monster from space and calling him E.T. Now, you and I know what Baron Von Raschke looks like. He's a George Clooney lookalike. And I can't the tell Baron, the difference. I cannot tell the difference. Except for the name tag he's got there, there is no difference. Yeah. And, and Baron actually said to Gene Okerlund, do I look like a monster from space? And, you know, as I'm looking at Baron right there, um, I no, I don't think he does. No. Uh, he, but, he doesn't look like a monster. I don't know. <laughs> extraterrestrial. I mean, let alone E.T., uh, George Clooney, yes. Brad Pitt, yes. Uh, Monster from Space, Alien, no, no. no I, I don't see it, and I, I think Jesse was was way out of line um, when he when he 
did that. Yeah, way over. All right, I think uh, is this the last one we got here out of the uh, the good ones? Haircut. All this right. is this is the last one, and I'm telling you, I love Kenny J. One of the nicest guys in the history of the planet, let alone pro wrestling. And back probably 50 years ago, Kenny, who did not win very many matches, I believe this was his first match on television that he actually won. And he beat another enhancement guy by the name of John the Greek. And they made the mistake of bringing Kenny into the interview area to celebrate his victory. Now, Kenny was not a master of the promo by any means. Chris Tubbs, I wish that footage still existed. It doesn't, unfortunately. To this day, wrestling historians and experts have no idea, no damn clue what Kenny J said. He came out, and he was celebrating his victory. And he sounded like... Jerry Lewis on speed. And I, I I don't know if he said John the Greek in there. I <laughs> hope he said the name Marty. He was addressing Marty O'Neill. Marty, you guys, you're back. From that point on, I don't know what, he, what, what was said. Um, but it, it goes down in the annals of the all-time great AWA promos. All 30 seconds of it. And God bless Kenny. He was like he won the lottery. You know how you can find out how he, you know, what was in that promo? You can ask him yourself if you go to the reunion on October 29th, coming up this weekend. What a you segue. Can, you can ask what was Kenny saying in his win? Because nobody knows. This is the one chance to find it out coming up what, this Saturday, what, October 29th. What a brilliant segue. You like uh, that? Are, are we done or are we going to do those uh, those last few? Uh, you know, there, can you go to the very end? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, we very, can... the very end, the last picture. And we're talking about, this is, is this? Terrible okay. promos. Terrible promos. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, don't put it up yet. Hold on, hold on. No, I don't think I've got it yet. I think I got to go back and grab it because I didn't want to, I wanted to right. purge it from my inbox. Hold on. You know the one I'm talking about. Oh, uh, I think so. Uh, okay. Let guy with a beer. The guy with a beer? Beard. Oh, okay. I didn't, didn't. You didn't give me anything with a beard. Uh, okay. Is this uh, is this the one? There he is. Oh my God, that's awful. Ladies and gentlemen, when you talk about the worst promos in the history of professional wrestling, that guy right there. Uh, his name was was Mick somebody, and he was promoting an AWA Supervention event in June of 1984. And they brought him on television to promote the event because the AWA was going to be involved. This was this character's first attempt at doing a promo on television. Poor Ken Resnick had to had to endure uh, several seconds of this. Talk about a guy who spoke like an undertaker, looked like an undertaker. Uh, either that or a guy who should have been on a registry of some kind. Uh talked in in monotone hushed tones as opposed to really putting the event over uh i don't know how it happened that that made the light of day fact jesse the body ventura did a walk on at the end of the interview in order to save the promo 
it was the last promo Jesse ever did in the AWA. So you tell me that that he was so embarrassed after having to work with that guy. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. The quality of the quality of talent in this company is so poor. I cannot work with any of these just talentless hacks. Is that what he's is that that's that's pretty much what it was. I, I think you know, Jesse was disgruntled anyway, and when it came to the point where they had him come on and do a walk-on and interrupt an interview for some two-bit clown with a, you know, cheap, you know, Salvation Army suit and a clip-on tie promoting a wrestling event. Jesse had it. That was it. He packed up his Halliburton, and, you know, before to oh, good God. Talk about somber. Yeah, I need to pixelate that. Hold on. Can I? Yeah, you got to do something because oh, wait, that, that is. Stop it. Okay, sure. Talk about the worst promos in history. And I don't know whatever happened to that guy. God knows he wouldn't have made a dime if he went into wrestling and I was No, no. God's sakes. He looks like a guy that would put a company out of business. Little did they know that less than a decade later, that would be the guy that would run that company, a once prestigious, loved, beloved, star-studded company out of business. You're giving Jeremy Chura more uh, fodder Please let's let facts can't be controversial, Mick. Facts cannot be controversial. I don't know whatever happened to the guy, but you know what? Good riddance. As far yeah, as I, know. I, I don't blame Jesse at all. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. We had to put one stinker in there, right? There you go. And uh again, you guys, thanks so much for the last couple of weeks of, of hanging with us because again, we don't have the rights to it. We wish that we could, but because of legalities. Hopefully you guys have been able to get enough out of it uh, that you've, uh, that you've enjoyed it. Let's go ahead and give our shout outs, Mick, and uh, then we'll bring it home. My buddy out in Chicagoland, Stan Payne. Stan, who is a regular listener, viewer of the podcast, and also goes to our, uh, our Facebook pages religiously. Love you, Stan. Keep up the good work, buddy. Uh, I will be having some more memorabilia to sell you next spring. And uh, I'm going to give it out to uh, Captain Kirk uh, at Hawkeye Kirk on Twitter. Uh, thanks for following, retweeting, and uh, asking questions, uh, Kirk. So uh, there you go. All right, Mick, got a couple minutes left. Um, Want to tell everybody you can see the uh, the hat and uh, your hat, courtesy of Soda Stick. Uh, it's hoodie season, you guys. So if you want your personalized hoodie, it's black with the white logo. You can get your name on it. Uh, go to SodaStickCO.com. Use the promo code UNLEASHED. They run a little small, so if you're going to get it, if normally you're an XL, size up to a 2X. If you're 2X, size up to a 3X, uh, so on and so forth. If you like the black design with the white logo, with the white print, coming up on the, uh, on the reunion on October 29th, coming up this Saturday, as a matter of fact, we're going to have those available first at the AWA reunion. So is going to be there. Very first place that you can get those black t-shirts with the white print. That's going to be at the reunion coming up. Mick will tell you about it here in a bit. And I uh, also want to thank uh, 7th Avenue Pizza as well. Perfect time, guys, to uh, we're going to be inside and you know, you're going to get the oven going and, and whatnot. 7th Avenue Pizza, it's frozen pizza, but it doesn't taste frozen, right? Like I love the Lucky 7, the, uh, the meat sauce, as they call it, the meatball and pepperoni. Uh, also great. I have not had one of them 
that I uh, that I have not liked. So again, Seventh uh, Avenue Pizza.com. If you're not in the area, if you're not in the Twin Cities, if you're in the Twin uh, Twin Cities. I've heard of Holiday Cub, uh, High V, just a bunch of different places. But you can get it even if you're not in the area. And uh, Mick, in uh, about three minutes here, uh, tell us about this Saturday because this is the last time that we're going to be able to talk about this Saturday, AWA reunion number two. Embassy Suites on American Boulevard in Bloomington, Minnesota. And I got to go over the roster again real quickly. Nord the Barbarian, Pat Tanaka, Sodbuster Kenny J, Eddie Sharkey, Tom Rocky Stone, Chris Curtis, Steve Olsonowski, our friend Polish Joe Tupic, Princess Little Cloud, Dixie Jordan coming in from Las Vegas to be at this event. Derek Starfire Dukes. Gary DeRusha, one of the great referees of all time. Lanise Hennig, uh, the widow of the great Kurt Hennig, making her first appearance at one of these mm -hmm. events. And, of course, we are going to have the Rick Renslow family, the late, great, wild Alaskan Rick Renslow. We're going to pay tribute to him. They're all going to be there signing autographs, posing for photos. They'll have books for sale, photos, you name it. Trivia contests, vendors, a lot of fun Q and A. You got four hours. That's it, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. It's going to be it's going to be whirlwind, but we want you to be there. Celebrate and thank the guys who were a, a, a member of that AWA roster in days gone by. The reason this is being put together is because I think of the response that people have had to this podcast. Yeah. So, uh, Mick, you've been able to get everybody together and have them in the same place. And if you're like, well, I might want to go. The thing is that seating is limited, you guys. Like, you can't just show up and expect that you're going to have a spot to sit. If you buy your ticket in advance, you can buy, you know, 25 bucks at the door. I don't think the price is going to change. But I think it's more like you want to guarantee yourself a spot to sit and you want to guarantee yourself some food. So for 25 bucks, get you in the door, get you a chance to converse with these folks. And yeah, I mean, this might be the last time you get a chance to see all of these individuals together. So uh, that's also another reason, Mick, that I would suggest it's one afternoon. I highly, highly recommend that if you're a fan, go ahead and make it out there in some way, shape or form. We love the AWA. We have had fun the last couple of weeks with some of the memories. Uh, did a lot of kidding about it, but damn, do I miss those days of the AWA. In a lot of cases, the footage isn't out there. A lot of the guys are gone, but you got an opportunity. Grab a piece of history. The AWA still lives on. Yep. It's coming Saturday at the Embassy Suites in Bloomington. Yep, and uh, as always... Go to AWA Unleashed Fans and Slick Mick Old School Wrestling for more information on that. And uh, I don't know what we're going to do next week, Mick, but I know that we're going to have fun talking about what happened at the reunion. I'm really excited. And, uh, hey, I'll see you on Saturday. You got it. See you, everybody. <laughs>